Welcome, everybody. This is Paul with the Discover It Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about social programming and thinking different. Uh, Jody is going to be doing the presentation. So go ahead and take the phone, the mic, Jody. Sounds good, Paul. You talked, said we're going to talk about social programming and thinking differently. So, you know, there's, we did some earlier podcasts. One talked about why we change, and another one talked about why we make excuses. So this is going to kind of tie into those. And sometimes, you know, people think for us. Uh, have you ever had, like, a, a good idea or thought of a, something new, and then or maybe you found, like, a new business or a network marketing program, and then you told your friends you were so excited, and they convinced you that, oh, that's, that's not good, or I tried that. They give you something that totally changes your mind. So a lot of times we start to kind of think like the people that we're surrounded by. Um, originally, this was kind of a good idea, um, and it was kind of needed for survival. Uh, when, we, when we used to live in groups or kind of like family units, you know, we had to learn where to find food. We had to learn how to hunt and, and do all that stuff um, just for our survival. So if we didn't get that from our social atmosphere, from the people we were growing up and, and living around, then we probably weren't going to continue on and, and live very long. So a lot of that kind of ties into that, and it all kind of ties back into our past program conditioning where we kind of learn and acquire all those different things. Um, but oftentimes, once we get stuck in those environments, it, it becomes limiting. Uh, we're not going to really advance much beyond, like, our closest friends. Um, we're kind of always be, always looking for approval for the people around us, and if they don't approve, we're just going to not do it. And a lot of times we're going to tend to make the same amount of money as those types of people that we always hang around with. And going back to that approval, um, early we would be looking for that approval. So sometimes it was even negative where maybe our friends were smoking and drinking and, well, you just kind of wanted to fit in and you wanted that approval. So you just kind of kept, kind of did what your, your social group was doing and continued down and started to learn those different things. Um, so when we start thinking differently and we start to do something that's kind of outside of our social atmosphere, we're going to tend to get that kind of rejection. Uh, people aren't going to really approve of what we're trying to say or what we're trying to do, and, and they may talk us out of it. So without really kind of changing that environment, we're going to kind of keep doing what we keep doing. And these days with the Internet and social media and everything, you know, everybody's posting all kinds of stuff. So depending on what kind of groups you're in, if uh, you're in like high business groups, you're going to get a lot of motivation and, and uh, ideas to kind of push yourself in that atmosphere. Uh, a lot of times there's so many groups where you can link like all your, your high school friends or something like that. And depending on what kind of area you grew up, like I grew up in a, a real small town, so there's a, a lot of people that really never really did anything kind of outside their social programming where they just kind of stayed in their hometown. Maybe they took on like the family business or 
the the family restaurant or the family farm or something like that, or maybe they just kind of ended up marrying somebody in high school and kind of just kind of stayed doing the same thing that they've always done. And uh, I remember when I first started talking with Paul, you know, I'd tell him things like, well, that's just the way I am. And that kind of goes back to that past program conditioning. Well, the same thing, it's just, it goes back to the social programming where people will kind of just say like, well, that's just what we do. That's, that's how we live. That's how we, you know, they don't really think of what could be different and they don't really try to explore those different things. And if they do, they'll either get shut down by their social uh, group or something like that where they don't really pursue it. They just kind of dismiss it and never really change. And that's kind of part of that identify, confront, and be proactive. Um, We have to be able to identify those different things that we want to change and then confront them without our uh, approval of our social groups and then really take action um, no matter what other people think. So I've kind of had a pretty good, I guess, setup for not kind of not really getting stuck into that trap. Um, one, because I people used to kind of try to make fun of me for having like a girl's name. My name's Jody, so um, and I just was like, well, I didn't, I didn't name myself, so that's like I don't even know why that even makes any difference. And uh, I just really didn't care what other people think. Uh, so it, I had maybe a smaller or different group of friends that also didn't care. Um, or judge me for whatever ideas or things that I wanted to do. So that worked out pretty good. And in a sense, maybe I kind of created my own little social programming where I might do something that's completely different or weird, and people will try to make fun of me, but there's other people that thought it was kind of neat, so they would just kind of group up with me, and then they would fall into, like, a smaller social group and then feel accepted. So without that kind of grouping – it's it's really hard to kind of think outside the box for most people. Um, and going back to social media, you know, everybody's posting pictures of their new house or their new car and all these things. And when we start to see those things, we start to feel like, well, maybe they're maybe we're left out. Uh, maybe we need to go buy a new car. So for the the saying, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. So that's that's the exactly what social programming is where you're you're trying to just keep up with, you know, your social group around you. And a lot of times people get into a lot of debt by doing that. They'll, they'll go buy a new car even when they can't afford it, or they'll think that the new car will make them happy, but really they didn't really want the new car. They were just trying to find that acceptance. So those uh, social groups kind of, keep us locked in if we don't expand our social groups and start to think differently. Uh, Same thing goes for jobs. Uh, Typically, people will continue doing the same job that they've they've always done. And if you're always working with these people and you're like, oh, I want to go work here or something like that, they don't want to feel like they're being left out of the social group. So they'll find ways to make it seem that, you know, their position or that job is is really better because if you leave, then they'll start to question, like, 
well, should I stay here? Like, I want to be a part and, like, things like that. So there's a lot of different things when you start to analyze how you think about things and how much you really care what other people think. And that will kind of determine what is all tied to some of this social programming. And it, a lot of that comes with, uh, like, if you think of all the good invention, inventions, I've talked about some of this once before where, like, Albert Einstein probably didn't have a, a big group of social friends that he felt accepted around. Um, one, they probably didn't know a whole lot of what he was talking about. Um, but his ideas he believed in, so he didn't care about that social programming. He just kind of went out and, and continued and continued, um, even though maybe people didn't uh, approve of it. Um, another big thing is when we get excited about something, like I said earlier, you, we want to tell our friends. So we tell them, like, hey, I'm going to do this, and maybe they don't judge us, maybe they don't question it, and but they're going to be watching, and they'll see. And if, if you keep failing in, at whatever you're trying to do, they're going to see that, or you're going to think they're judging you for it. So that's going to tend to kind of discourage people from continuing and, and persevering to continue to do something that they really want to do, and they know they're going to eventually figure it out. A lot of times the greatest lesson that we learn is through failure where we try something and it didn't work and we just think this is a learning experience. I'm going to move on and, and take what I've learned from this experience, not care what other people think, and, and continue to push towards our goals. Uh, we've done some various podcasts on creating goals and, and achieving your goals. And there's, there's a lot of great episodes we have that kind of tie in to this where we keep moving forward, where we don't worry about, that past program conditioning or that social programming and decide to do something differently. So it's one thing to think about when, when you're scrolling through social media or you're thinking about something you're doing and you're like, well, that's, that's not what people normally do. Like question yourself and think like, is this social programming? Is this something from, my childhood that is a misbelief. We've done some good podcasts on misbeliefs also. Or is this something that I want to change and I want to start to think different and actually look outside the box and maybe discover something new that somebody hasn't learned before? That's all I got. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much, Jody. We really appreciate that uh, presentation on social programming and thinking outside the box. Uh, very good. Um, Ray, are you on the line, buddy? Yeah, I'm here, Paul. Let's apply social programming and thinking outside the box differently. Uh, how does that apply in your life? Social programming has affected me like most people in school. I was a little bit of a introvert, kind of stuck to myself, but I believe it's in, in, you know inescapable the power that mirror neurons in the in the brain causes us to notice individual patterns and behaviors of other people and to mirror those actions in order to connect and to, to feel a sense of belonging. The oxytocin and dopamine in the brain are associated with social bonding and reward. 
and there there are just other reasons that people strive towards that connection. I personally, I believe that in my childhood had reasons that I learned to distrust social connections. So I, I definitely moved away from, you know, being like others and things like that, but I was definitely affected by the feeling of being isolated or be, being alone. You know, it was due to my own actions, my avoidance of of intimacy or, or connection on a deeper level, which requires vulnerability and, and basically exposing oneself in one form or another. But I I made a habit of avoiding those sort of interactions. But, you know, obviously it doesn't mean that I wasn't affected in some way. As I got older, I think that um, one of the ways it affected me is this sense of feeling like I need to have certain things in order to develop a sense of self-worth like, you know, a nice car or uh, a certain type of house. And social media can definitely play a, a big part on that. Just we're constantly exposed to these different things and come to establish that as a, a, a default in terms of what we think a person of, of a certain age or should, a certain class should have. So I know that there was a period of my time, a period of time in my life that I felt pressured to achieve a certain status or in a certain appearance in terms of a certain level of success. And, um, you know, it's taken time to find out who I truly, truly am and, and what I want and to learn the difference between what society teaches us in our own individual interests. And it, it feels a lot more genuine to, to, to stay true to who you are and to learn the difference between those two things. That's all I got. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much, uh, Ray. Appreciate it for sharing. Uh, Jeff, you're on the line, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Social programming and thinking different outside the box. Uh, apply that to yourself in your life. Uh, well, for me, I'd actually say that uh, I think I've been less concerned with what those around me think and much more concerned about what I think. Um, with the exception of my family, like my immediate family, like growing up in school, I really didn't care much about, well, up until maybe high school, I really didn't care about my appearance or um, having like the coolest clothes or, you know, the most up to like the newest um, tactic, newest phones. Whereas like my siblings were both, um, demanding from my parents that they get, like, as soon as the new iPhone come out, that they get the new iPhone or would be really upset when 
my parents got that themselves a the newest iPhone, but gave them a hand hand me down iPhone, and I I just I just really wouldn't care that much. I was just glad to have a phone, but uh, and I was never very active on social media growing up either. Uh, I would say it wasn't until maybe five years ago. I'm 26 now, almost 27. Um, it was about five years ago that I really started being more active on social media. Um, but when it comes to thinking outside the box, it's also something that I've actually, I think I've pretty good at that. Um, in fact, I think I'm better at thinking outside of the box than I am at thinking within the confines of the box. Um, and I'm not saying that to like brag or anything. I, I mean, that causes problems for me too, because um, I'm very engaged when I'm doing something creative, um, something original, and I have a strong desire for my work and my um, anything I do to be original. Um, but especially since I got to grad school, that's honestly been a hindrance to me because um, there's so much to learn that if you're trying to reinvent the wheel every single time you do something, every single time you write a new paper, or every single time you um, are uh, creating a presentation, if you're trying to reinvent the wheel, um, one, you're, you're probably going to get a worse grade because you're, um, you're spending more time thinking about how can I do this differently than just getting it done. And also you're not some, – some things truly only have one correct way of doing them. Um, and if you're trying to reinvent the wheel all the time, you're going to take longer to figure out how to do it properly than how to um, than how to do it in the original um, than how to do it in an original way. Um, and when it comes to like uh, like advice for my peers, or like me going telling my peers about what I'm uh, gonna do and uh, hearing their responses. Um, I, I've seen that sometimes when I tell them that uh, you know they 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 discourage it, but I don't. I would say that honestly, when they, with the exception of a few peers, um, like I have some very close friends who I really value their opinion, um, but for most people, if they tell me that's a bad idea, um, something inside me really wants to prove them wrong, and it's going to make me more likely that I'm going to do it because if I believe in it strongly, then there's really nothing that they can say to discourage me. I've always been the kind of person who needs to experience things in order to be like, yeah, that was a bad idea, which, you know, caused me to get in trouble sometimes, but it's also led me to have some pretty cool experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that uh, I'm, I'm not too confined by the opinions of others, and sometimes negative opinions uh, motivate me. Um, but if it is like a really close friend who I really uh, value their opinion, um, then um, if they don't see my idea as a good idea, I will probably not do it and strongly consider the reason why they don't think it's a good idea. Um, but yeah, that's all I got to. Thank you, Jeff. Pre appreciate you sharing there, buddy. Um, Ray, let me ask you one more question. Why do you think that our population today 
is so addictive to social media? I believe it's uh, due to a, a deep need for instant gratification. And each time, the people that created these social media apps are very studied on the way the brain works, and they, they're incorporating every day something new into how the social media works and how, it, how we feed off of that sort of engagement. I believe it was the social dilemma. It was a uh, documentary on Netflix at one point. They talked about how, and this is just one example, how when you get a notification that someone tagged you in a, in a picture, they said how convenient it would have been if they just showed you the picture on, you know, on your notification or on your, uh, your lock screen or whatever. But they don't do that because they want you to click on the picture. They want you to be drawn into the app. And they, they're, they're doing things like that all the time to, I think, capitalize on those needs like instant gratification, acceptance. Our brains get a little hit of dopamine whenever we, we see that someone liked our post. I, was, I went through a, a period of time. I know a lot of people have experienced it to some extent where you will post a picture, you know, you're doing something, you're thinking this looks cool, you know, I'm pretty sure people will will uh, approve of this accomplishment or, or whatever, and then you post it and you kind of sit and your brain is analyzing in a way how, how many people are liking this picture, how how quickly is this picture getting a certain amount of likes. Um, talking about social programming, social norms, we've all got within our peers probably a certain idea of how many likes is normal within your peer group, you know, whether it's 100, 130 likes. So you, you're kind of trying to gauge in a way how valuable am I in my community of, of friends or people that, you know, uh, friends of friends and things like that. So, and it's preying on insecurities and weaknesses. And, and they, they know that, you know, people that just created social media and they're, they're large corporations, uh, publicly traded, traded, uh, entities that they're, they're, main goal is profit. And I've heard a saying before that if there's no charge, most often the product is you, and that's completely true of social media. And what they're harvesting is our attention. So best belief for their bottom line and for shareholders' interests, they're trying to get as much profit as possible, which equals as much attention as possible. And we're in a society now that is greatly deprived of social acceptance, you know, acceptance, feeling loved, feeling valued. And a lot of that, I believe, has to do with the, the times we're in where parents are working two jobs to make ends meet. Uh, parents are most often the ones who are preoccupied with if it, if it isn't work, social media, um, chasing these status symbols, things like that, that we've just talked about in the podcast, that they're not ev available physically or emotionally and mentally. So we're creating a society that is 
desperate and becomes addicted to those very things that social media is uh, is trying to supply, just like a drug. Thank you, uh, Rafe, for that second uh, sharing there. It's amazing. I, I go down the street uh, driving quite a bit, and uh, I see people just glance at next vehicles, and I see people looking and playing with the phone, whether they're talking, playing games, or whatever. It amazes me that there's not more accidents uh, on the road than there is. Um, it's it's a situation that really needs to be dealt with, but uh, that's another story at another time. Anybody else want to make any comments or talk about social programming and thinking outside the box before we get off the line? Yeah, Paul. I I just wanted to th- uh, say thanks, Jeff, for adding that because um, one of the things about thinking outside the box is and thinking differently is we do have to look at, you know, some of the factual data and, and some of the historical things that have happened in order to really make a good decision also. So that's kind of part of that identifying step where we, we really analyze and take inventory on whether this is actually going to be helpful or useful and maybe do some research on, you know, why have people done it this way so many times in a row? Because um, there's, a, there's a lot of times where the original reason for doing something a certain way has just been obsolete. But since people always did it that way, um, that's just the way they keep doing it. Uh, there's some, some pretty good analogies where they've done some studies where um, once that reasoning went away, people just continued to do it. And then when somebody finally asked the question and, and said, well, why are we doing it this way? And, and nobody really had an answer. That's when they started to think differently and started to go against the, the social norm that really didn't have a reason anymore. So it's a good point, Jeff, we're to just make sure that or kind of think about what we're thinking about and see whether it's, it's going to be useful um, or if there's a, a good reason why people did it that way and uh, use that as part of your, I guess, research on what you'd like to change. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Jody. And uh, also, Ray and Jeff, we really appreciate uh, all three of you participating in the program tonight. And we will see you all next Thursday night, 730, and on call, 518-992-1035, using access code 655-145. We'll see y'all next Thursday night. Don't forget to tell your friends, relatives, and even your enemies to be on call. See you next Thursday night. Bye.